then, so I don't know about you guys, but for me, guys, Mother's Day was always something that I easily knew my brother and I knew would make mom happy. I don't know about if you guys have like certain routine or customs in your family, but we had it nailed down every single year. We knew it would please mom. So the two boys on, on Mother's Day, my dad would say, the first thing you do is everybody's got to go to church. Alright, mom's happy, we're all in church. Dressed up. I say things you gotta clean. So we went home, we would clean. I mean, not just like our way of cleaning, but a way that we know that she would like, like cleaning the house completely. And then finally, like we could just cook anything and she would be pleased. I mean, her, her stomach might be not be pleased the day after, but I think the gesture was just going to make her really happy. And maybe you guys know, I mean, you know what's going to please your wife or please your mom on these kind of days. But have you ever thought about what pleases God? It is a question I think that many people ask themselves a lot. What actually pleases God? Does living a perfectly moral life please God? Does going to the temple morning and evening and bye-bye and giving money, does that please God? I think many people live their lives spending their energy, their time, their money thinking of ways and trying ways to, to please God that aren't found in the Bible. And this afternoon, Mark leads us into a story where he talks about faith. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that it is impossible to please God without faith. And Mark gives us a story about this guy named Jairus that we're going to read about, and this other woman and his daughter being raised from the dead, and it's all about what does the Bible say faith is. Alright, so let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5. We're going to be in verses 21 through the end of the chapter, but we're just going to read these verses. Alright, let's read it first in English and then we'll read it in Chinese. Alright, one, two, three. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come and 
后，有一大群人向他围拢过来。当时来了一位会堂的主管，名叫耶鲁。他一看见耶稣，就俯伏在他脚前，迫切地求他说：“我的小女儿快要死了，请你来按手在她身上，把她救活。”耶稣就和他一起去了，一大群人跟着他，拥挤着他。好，有请席。好，请坐。Alright, so Mark leads us into the story. He's going to talk about three aspects of what the Bible calls faith. And the first thing that Mark wants us to see is that biblical faith is humble. If you look at verses 21 through 24, it says that Jesus just came off the boat and there's this man named Jairus. 那在二十一节到二十四节说到耶稣正坐船，然后下船之后呢，到一个家里面管柜堂的叫雅雅鲁。And it says that Jairus just wasn't any normal man, but he was the ruler of the synagogue. 他是管柜堂的人。Now the ruler of the synagogue was was responsible for selecting and picking teachers, making sure that everything was going correctly. 管柜堂的人就是管事的，他呢会来选谁可以教导，谁不可以。Not only that, but a couple weeks ago, we saw that his, this Jairus's authorities, the Pharisees, plotted to kill Jesus. 但是呢，不止如此啊，这个雅鲁呢，他是法利赛人，他们正在计谋要杀耶稣。Except all of this doesn't keep Jairus from running and falling at the feet of Jesus. 虽然如此呢，却不能够拦阻雅鲁不来到耶稣的脚前敬拜他。Jairus wasn't a man that normally probably put himself in the midst of a big crowd, but that doesn't stop him either. And Mark tells us why. Why this desperation of this man? Well, since his little girl is dying. Luke actually tells us that it's his only daughter. So it could have been his only child. At the point of death. He's heard about Jesus. So he runs and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus in desperation. See, there was also this superstition that was going around at this time that people would tell you if you had a premature death, It's God's judgment on your life. And so because of that, as a parent, thinking about the guilt that you might feel, was this, was this because of my sin that my daughter is going to die premature? This man runs in desperation and begs Jesus, please come with me and heal my daughter. 因为这样子的迷信呢，就让父亲呢有这样，父母亲有这样子的一个罪恶感受，是不是因为我的罪，所以造成我的孩子呢他是早产的？所以当他知道耶稣要来的时候，他就跑去俯伏在耶稣前。And I think what Mark wants us to see about Jairus is the idea of what humility looks like. 那马可呢？他要让我们看雅鲁，就是让我们知道什么叫做谦卑。That Jairus came to Jesus based upon an awareness of his need. That Jairus didn't come to Jesus thinking that he had everything figured out, that he didn't have any problems, he didn't have any needs. The reason he came to Jesus because he had a need. 
他去找耶稣的时候，并不是万事亨通的时候，而是因为他心里有一个极大的需求，才去找耶稣。And I think what the Bible tells us, guys, is that if we require to come to Jesus, if we want to come to Jesus, it begins from a place of being aware of our need. That I can't imagine any any person, but any man, it's not easy to beg. 我真的不能够想象哈，因为对一个人正常人来说哈，是很难去祈求的。I mean, Jairus was a man who was respected by the community. People looked up to him. People knew who he was, and yet he throws himself. And the text actually says, begging repeatedly, repeatedly, Jesus, please. 那雅各他其实是一个高官，是被人这个德高望重的，可是圣经却说他是再三祈求。See, Jesus. Excuse me. Jairus had a clear understanding of his own need, but who Jesus was. So, 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 so,
And in Psalm 51, 17 says this, The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humble heart, God. And so we've said a lot here at City Light Church that the church is a lot like a hospital. That in order to get in, you have to admit that you need a doctor. That the church is a place for a lot of people who are in need for the grace and the mercy of Christ. And yet I think it's hard for us to actually come to the Lord in our need and in humility because we don't actually think that He wants to respond to us. And yet what I love about the response of Christ here is that when Jairus falls at His feet and He asks Jesus to come, does Christ give him like this, you know, ten point test of, well, did you do this or can you do this? Does he does he ask him any of those kinds of questions? He says Jesus went with him. Christ responds to humble faith when we come to him with our needs. And so I know for, for moms especially, there is this temptation where you probably feel like you have to keep everything together. And a lot of times you do. But there's almost this idea of being weak or being in need is wrong. But Jesus here, compassionate Jesus, shows us that coming to Him in your weakness, coming to Him in your need, is what He responds to. And so my first question is just, where are you needing to bring your needs before Jesus? I mean, there is this kind of attitude sometimes that we give to each other that you almost think that being in need is wrong, even as a Christian. It's like when you go around and ask for prayer requests, it's like, yeah, I mean, I could probably, I mean, I could probably preach the gospel more. Pray for me. But really, is that really my greatest need, or can I just come out? But am I, am I willing to share? I'm in need. I struggle here, 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 and here, and I need prayer. I need the grace of God. See, the point of being a Christian is that we are in need. And that Jesus is the only one that holds things together. And so it says that Jesus went with him. In verse 25, if you guys follow along, it says, A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. If you're reading this or you're watching a story, you're thinking, Mark, get on with it. Like there's a dying girl here. Why are you mentioning this woman who has this small disease? 
But Mark tells us he said that she had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. Instead, she became worse. And in the wording that Mark uses here, it's not just a physical suffering, but it's also a suffering that has also caused her like social suffering as well. In verse 25, it says that she's been bleeding for 12 years. In this culture, I mean, this is not something that's acceptable. In the Old Testament, which is where they got their law from, the rules for life, in Leviticus 15, 25 through 27, this is what the law said. Needs two slides, Brian. Yeah, we'll just read the we'll just read the first verse. It says, "When a woman has a discharge of her blood for many days, though it is not the time of her menstruation, or she has has a discharge beyond her period, she will be unclean all the days of her unclean discharge, as she is." During the days of her menstruation. I'll have to clear that up in a second. Okay, so yeah, so what that means is basically um, the whole time she's had this bleeding issue for 12 years, she would be considered unclean by her community. I mean, for those of us who think quarantine is bad, being unclean and separated from your community would be way worse. Because if you go on and read that passage, it says not only are you unclean, but anyone who touches you or comes in contact with you is also made unclean. So there is three things that this woman has just weighing on her life. Number one, she has this disease that makes her unclean for 12 years. Years. But number two, because of her uncleanness, she's been separated socially from her community for 12 years. But then the Bible says also she spent all of her money trying to get uh, better and, and, and get doctors to fix the problem, but it's only made it worse. She spent all of her money. Now, in that time period, only usually richer people could afford doctors. So this probably is a situation where she spent her life savings trying to fix this issue, and she could. And I think if you can imagine that being this woman, um, every time maybe she went to the doctor, every time paying the money, she thought, this is going to be the time. She's counting how much money she has left in her account. She's saying, okay, this is going to be the time. I know maybe she feels better for a moment, but in every single time, it's disappointment after disappointment, no money. So 
But then verse 27 says, having heard about Jesus. Everything that's going to happen from now on in this woman's life and the rest of the story is based upon that she's heard something about Jesus. And what Mark wants us to see is not only biblical faith humble, but biblical faith is bold. Uh, because you see, it says that because she heard about Jesus, she said she moved closer in the crowd and she reached out and touched him. I mean, she, she probably was in the crowd. She heard, most likely, Jairus' request. She knew there's a dying girl here, and she didn't care. She's so, she's so bold that she's going to say, okay, this is my moment, this is my chance, I've heard about him, I'm going to get my healing while I can, I'm going to reach out and touch him. And I love what Mark does here because he doesn't say that her boldness is rooted in who she is, that she was some bold woman. We see later that she comes in fear and trembling. In verse 27, it says that her boldness was rooted in who Jesus is. That this is what biblical bold faith is. It's not rooted in our strength or man, our, our boldness, but it's rooted in who we believe God to be. Alright, so this this move that this lady did, reaching out and touching Jesus, could have got her killed. We read earlier that anybody that is in this condition is unclean, and if you do these kinds of things, you would have got stoned on the spot. Not only that, but if you reach out and touch anyone, I mean, there's the crowd you're pressing around, everyone is going to be unclean now because of you. So verse 28 and following, it says that she reaches out and instantly when she touches Jesus, she's healed. And at once, verse 30, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, so he turned to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I mean, the disciples and even Jairus are probably thinking, Jesus, you're crazy. There are people that are just pressing around you. There are all these people that are probably trying to talk to you. What do you mean who touched you? Everybody is. He said, no, who touched me in faith? And so Mark says here, this I love this verse, but Mark says here in verse 33, the woman with the woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, 
Yeah, this isn't this isn't in some kind of like confessional booth or some prayer room. This is a confession moment in front of the whole crowd, in front of the ruler of the synagogue of what just happened. Right? Uh, she's gonna tell them about her 12 years of trying to go to the doctor. Everything now is on display for everyone to see and everyone to hear. And surely that's in a moment where you think, I'm done. This is it. I got my healing, I'm about to meet a resurrection. I got my healing, but now I'm about to meet a resurrection because these people are going to be angry. Huh? I need to the resurrection? Never mind, I got my healing, but now I'm about to die. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because if you think about the crowd, they're hearing the story, the crowd is going to be angry with her, right? But I mean, if you're Jairus, you are livid in this moment. You are so angry in this moment. You are looking at Jesus, you're thinking, my daughter is dying over here, and there's a woman who just broke all of our covenantal laws to reach out to touch you to get healed of some small disease. But Jesus wants Jairus to know that there's another daughter who needs to be restored. There's, there's another daughter who needs to be saved. So verse 34. This is Jesus. He looks at the woman. Everybody's watching Jesus. They know who he is. They know who he claims to be. What is Jesus going to do in this moment? He looks at her and he says, daughter. Now this word that the Greek uses for daughter, that Jesus uses, is actually one of the most tender and affectionate words you can call a child. And he said, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Notice he doesn't say your boldness saved you or your touch saved your life or your money saved you. He says your faith has saved you. I mean, this is the compassion of Jesus. Why did he want this woman to come forward? I mean, why did he not say, all right, that person just got this healing, this person just gets this healing, and just like kind of walk on to heal Jairus' daughter? Why did he stop and ask this woman to come forward? He, he wants everyone to know that this woman's identity has been changed. She's no longer unclean. She's saved. She's healed. His daughter. 
She's new. That Christ is the only one where unclean can be changed into being clean. Second Corinthians 5:17 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. But there are 12 years of misery, 12 years of shame, completely gone in a moment by touching out, touching Jesus in a moment of faith. And I think what I love about Jesus is most is this is all free. I mean, it cost him his life, but it's free for us. And, and just there are there are Christian they call themselves Christian pastors, and they'll tell you that you have to pay a certain amount of money and do certain things in order to get the blessing of God, the peace of God, the healing of God. It is a lie. That Jesus is healing, his power, his salvation is a free gift that you can have through faith. Just recently I was on a hike uh, around here, not too far from here. And like a lot of hiking trails you guys go on, uh, a lot of them anyways, there's usually temples situated somewhere in the mountain. And so I walked to this temple, there was one lady sitting at the desk and I began to ask her, you know, what is this temple here for? Who is this, who is this God? And she said, this idol was a man who had done good deeds in his life. He had helped a bunch of people and because of that, he was able to go to heaven. And I sat there and said, how sad is that message? If you were like this woman because of illness or disease and you can't help anybody and you can't do good for anybody, then your shot at getting to heaven is over. But the gospel is so much better because we don't have eternal life because of our good deeds. We have eternal life because of Christ's one good deed that he did on the cross. Biblical faith is bold. And so I thought about this woman who, for a long time, she hid in her shame, but she heard who Jesus was and says that she reached out, touched him, and she told him the whole truth. And sometimes boldness just requires a lot of vulnerability. <laughs> this is for everyone, but specifically, you know, moms today, are you hiding in, in shame? Are you hiding in shame? Do you have shame? And would you see Jesus as compassionate and tender? Where you can come and tell him the whole truth and he can speak his love, his grace, and his identity into you. And 
Alright, so it says that Jesus tells the woman, hey, go in peace. In verse, sorry, in verse 35, it says, while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue's leader house and said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. The final aspect of faith that Mark wants us to see from this is that biblical faith will be tested. The faith is patient. You know, we live in a culture where the idea of having to wait is almost is considered a sin. Why would I have to wait for anything? Everything is convenient. Especially Taiwan. You can be in the mountains of Taiwan, you have a 7 Eleven on this side, you got a family mart right here. And you probably have a Bafang up there too. The dumpling shop. Right? And so we live in a culture not where we just think, not just where everything is immediate, but we live in a culture we are in where we feel like we're entitled to having everything be immediate. And when we take this mindset into the Christian faith, our world will be rocked. That faith, being a Christian, means that you will be tested. There's no way around it. It says here that while Jesus is still speaking, people came from the synagogue's ruler house and said, Your daughter is dead. Now, I don't imagine that Jairus in that moment was thinking, It's okay, guys, because Jesus just healed this lady. That's great. I would imagine that Jairus would be experiencing a lot of different emotions. This is the worst nightmare as a parent to have your child and then your only child die early. And so if you go to verse 36, it says, When Jesus overheard what was said, that word overheard, oddly enough, it actually means to ignore. And I imagine this is how it went, that Jesus is hearing all this, he's watching Jairus' face, he's seeing the despair in Jairus' face. And he grabs Jairus by the shoulders, looks in his eyes and says, Don't be afraid, only believe. There are two commands in this phrase, don't be afraid and only believe. The first one is don't be afraid. And what that means is that's actually a command to change the way that you think. That is to change your mindset. 
And I think a lot of times as Christians, I know I do this, is we just stop here. We just tell people, hey, don't be afraid. Maybe someone comes to you and they share about anxiety about a job, or maybe they're their fear because they don't have a visa or something like that. A lot of times we say, don't worry, it's gonna be okay. But is it really? I mean, how do we know that? How do we know that their daughter won't die from cancer? How do you know that they're not going to lose their job? We don't. That's why Jesus' second command gives us the power to do the first. Jesus says only believe. This command of only believe is a command to change who or what you put your trust in. That Jesus is looking at Jairus in his eye, hand on his shoulder, and saying, I know what you're hearing, I know what you're feeling. But do not be afraid. Put all of your trust, put all of your hope, put all of your expectation in me. See guys, that's what we need to give to our brothers and sisters who come to us with these kinds of things. We don't just say, hey, don't worry. But we tell them this. Listen, you don't need to let the fear of losing your job rule your heart. You don't need to let the fear of maybe your child not liking you for a little while rule your heart. You don't need to let the fear of your anxiety rule your heart. Instead, put all of your trust, all of your hope, in a God who sees you and a God who loves you. And in a God who gave his very own life to save you. See, the Christian life is a lot about believing we can't see. Believing even though you don't feel. Because we trust in God who we know. And then I, I just, the Bible is filled with this. Guys, you can't not read the Bible and see that every single biblical hero was tested. Guys, I know that even in our community there are visa situations, there are job situations. Family situations. And I believe that Jesus would look you right now in the eye, put his hand on his shoulder, and say, Don't be afraid. Only believe. I can't count how many times looking back at my life, 
God telling me to wait for something was so good. I don't know how many of you guys have had this experience, but maybe you wanted something and God told you no or He told you to wait. And then because you went through that season, you saw the goodness of God, the sovereignty of God. When I was a young Christian, a guy came to me, very good advice, and he says, listen, Colin, God's calling and God's timing are not always the same thing. The God's yes and God's win are not always the same thing. Because it's not about when you and I want things to happen, right? We're on this timeline. Yeah, one thing even just recently is that if, if Allison and I had things go the way we wanted them to, we would be in Taiwan right now. That in 2018, we had said we wanted to go and, and plant another city in America, but leaders over us, they prayed and said, we think that you need to wait. Man, praise God, we did. We didn't want to. But we had no idea what he would do in our hearts, what he would do in our lives, and change our plans by calling us back here to Taiwan to be with you. Don't fear. Only believe. Martin Luther says this about faith. I love this. He says, faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace. So certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting it. Do we have this kind of faith? So the story goes, Jairus actually ends up going and seeing his daughter resurrected. And there's a ton of things you can pull out from the end of the story, but there's one thing that I want to communicate to us. Jesus wanted Jairus to know the same Jesus that said yes he would heal your daughter and the same Jesus that actually ended up raising your daughter from the dead was the same Jesus that walked by his side in the moments that he waited that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. You know, when, when uh, Allison was in labor with our third son, Isaac, this is what you all want to hear on Mother's Day is a child labor story, right? Um, uh, labor is moving on really quickly. It's going great. And within an hour, hour and a half, she was ready to deliver Isaac. 
Uh, and I asked her all the details, just to make sure I got everything right. But about that time, everything stopped. And as minutes go on, you're thinking, okay, what's happening here? Why is this taking so long? Why is everything why is everything stopped? And that is the hardest thing about seasons of waiting is you realize that you have absolutely no control. And as an hour went by, two hours went by, I mean, we're thinking, okay, is he still alive? Is something happening? The midwife was there, the nurse, and they're having some, some similar questions. And as a dad, right, you're thinking, I just want to get my son, I want to do whatever I can, I want to grab him and pull him out to this world, right? But then finally, two, three hours passed. And Isaac was born. But what we didn't know is that Isaac was born, he had his hand like this, is what they call a Superman birth. It's dangerous, but then he also had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck. And the midwife said, if you would have tried to speed this labor up, Isaac would have died. That if we tried to inject some some you know some some drug analysis to make it go quicker, she said Isaac would have died. Faster是好的。那我们等候的时候，他比我们同在。那唯一一件雅鲁耶呃再三祈求耶稣不要发生的事情是。the very thing that we would be cringe every time you see a movie and a, and a parent loses a child, it's our worst nightmare. The very thing that Jairus is begging not to happen, the Father did willingly for us. Gave up his only son. But the very thing that is our worst nightmare, the Father and the Son do it willingly to save you and me from our sin. So Romans 8, 31 through 32 says this. What then are we to say to these things? If God is for us, then who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? And so I want to encourage you guys this afternoon. That moms, Mark is, is calling you, he's persuading you through this story to come to Jesus in all of your needs. 
means. 马可在这个这段经文里面呢，就是一再的来告诉你们说，带着你们需求来到耶稣的面前。In the big things. 不管事情是大的。In the little things. 或者是一小的需求。Because he cares for you. 耶稣都在乎。And maybe you need to maybe you need to take a moment. You need to you need to move in boldness towards Jesus because of who He is. 如可能呢，你也需要呢，带着这样子的勇气呢，因为耶稣他是这样子的一个神，你来到他的面前。Pray bold prayers. 然后做出一个勇敢的祷告。You know, for us at City Light Church, one bold prayer we pray along with a lot of other ones is we really want to see God give us or identify our church planner by the end of this year. 那我们呢，在教会里面有另外一个很这个很大胆的一个祈求，就是说，在年底我们要看到另外一个教会吗 ？A lot of things, yeah, a lot of things need to happen. 其实有很多事情应该要发生的。啊，不，新的新的教会。新的教会吗？对。呃，开拓教会。开拓新的一个教会。那个人。一个人。对。有一个人要开拓一个新的教会。Bold prayer. See. 真的是一个勇敢的祷告。All right. And then finally, if you're in a season where you're being tested, know that He stands next to you, that He was with you, He hasn't forsaken you. 那如果说你你是在一个等候的季节里面呢，不要担心，因为你要记得耶稣就在你的旁边，他与你同在。We all need to be challenged in this way. 我们其实都应该要这样子的被挑战。Not just moms. 不只是妈妈们。Because Jesus is this kind of savior. 因为耶稣呢就是这样子的救主。He's a savior who enters death and He brings us back to life. 因为他是进入到死亡，把这个人从死里复活的神。A savior's compassion is tender, is rich in mercy. 救赎者他的心是有怜悯、有恩典的。Do you know him? 你认识他吗 ？Do you know him? 你知道他吗 ？Do you trust him? 你信靠他吗 ？Let's stand together. 我们一起站立。Respond. 我们来回应神。John and the team, you're ready to lead us again. We're gonna have communion.